Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 2. We're going to take a little detour over the next couple weeks uh, from 2 Thessalonians. We've been in 2 Thessalonians for a little while. Uh, but Acts chapter 2 this morning, we, um, we're going to be, like I said, we're going to be changing gears. And, uh, 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 and the reason why is because this week, um, well, actually, leading up to this week, I just felt like God wanted me to, to go a different direction for a little bit. But I wasn't quite sure how or why. I just felt that God was doing something, and I'd been praying, asking for direction. And I started thinking and praying, and, and then something happened early this week that caused me to take a hard look at our church. Now, I want to say something here, and I, and I believe what I'm about to say. I believe that criticism can be a healthy thing. Most of the time, when we face criticism, what do we do? Yeah, we, we, we cringe, we get angry, we react. And the reality is, oftentimes, God brings criticism into our lives to help us. Because how, how many of us have attained to perfection? Yeah, other than other than Lori. <laughs> okay, none of us have, right? So, so if if none of us have attained to perfection, has, is there a church, a New Testament church, that is functioning in the world today? That's a perfect church. No. So, <clears throat> and I I believe this. I believe this with all of my heart, that criticism can be a healthy thing. And I was forced to examine our church, the function of our church, the goals of our church, the, the, the methods of our church. Now, I'm not saying I enjoy criticism. I don't know any, I think... If you did enjoy criticism, you have a screw loose, okay? But it can be a healthy thing. <clears throat> Being, I, I came across this. Uh, uh, I found this to be interesting. Being criticized is not a problem if you develop a positive way of dealing with it. Winston Churchill had the following words of uh, Abraham Lincoln framed uh, and put on his office wall. And this was, this was Abraham Lincoln's uh, quote that, that Winston Churchill had. I do the very best I can. I mean to keep going. If the end brings me out all right, then what, what is said against me won't matter. If I'm wrong, ten angels swearing I was right won't make a difference. In other words, you just do the best you can. And if you come out okay, okay. If you don't, you just keep going. That's part of life is making mistakes. In fact, most of us learn best when we make mistakes. The title of my message this morning is <clears throat> The Characteristics of a Healthy Church. 
the characteristics of a healthy church. Earlier this year, we spent some time in the book of Acts and looking at how a, a church is supposed to operate. And we're, we're kind of going back and, and revisiting this because um, as I studied, I came up with 10 different characteristics uh, of, a, of a local church. Some of this is going to be reviewed. Some of it will not. Um, but I just I felt like that it's a good exercise to periodically as a pastor in a church to see where we are. Please understand my heart on this matter. Please. And what I'm about to say, please understand it and listen to it in context. I'm going to read my statement here so I don't I don't mess it up. I truly do not care if Grace Baptist Church measures up to your expectations. I only care that we measure up to God's expectations. The truth is, our expectations change with our wants and needs. But God's expectations never change. So, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are are not consumed. God does not change. Mm-hmm. God does not change. Now we change. And as our needs change, we expect everybody around us to change with us. And it doesn't work that way. Every church has its own personality or identity. Would you agree with that? Okay, every church I've ever been a part of. Let me illustrate it to you this way. Have you ever moved and went on a search for a a church just like the one you just left? Well, I hope not, because you're never going to find it. Or have you left the church, say you moved or whatever, and you go you go back years later and it's not the same? It's just not the same? Why, why is that? Because I'm not the same. You're not the same and neither is that church. And the people in that church are not the same. Because we are constantly changing. So we cannot set the standards for Grace Baptist Church based on what we think a good church should be. We have to set the standards based on what the Bible says a New Testament church should be. Does that that make sense? (laughs) 
even though churches change, the, what I call the core values of a church should never change. There are certain things that are set forth in Scripture that are non-negotiable. And we're going to be talking about 10 of those over the next couple of weeks. I don't, I, I don't know that I can do it all next week. It may stretch out to another week. I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see next week. But <clears throat> unfortunately, these core values can be 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 can be littered or become littered with divisiveness, uh, bitterness, pride, worldliness. And I think it's a, I, I, I believe this with all my heart, I believe it is a healthy exercise to periodically examine the health of your church, just like it is a healthy thing for us to examine our own spiritual health. Just like most of you uh, hopefully uh, go to the doctor periodically to get checked out. I mean, that's a good thing to, to get a practice to get into. We should do the same thing spiritually, personally. And corporately as a church, I think it's something that we should do periodically just to make sure we're healthy. Now, are there things that we can do and, excuse me, uh, change as a church? Absolutely there are. So let's start our examination. We're going to look at four of the ten, four of the ten characteristics this morning. Uh, The first one, uh, proclaiming truth. Proclaiming truth. Acts chapter 2, look at verse 14. Well, let, let me, let me, let, let's stop here. Acts chapter 2, just in case you don't know, is a, a lot of theologians believe that the, the New Testament church started in Acts chapter 2 with the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost is a is a miraculous day in the in the in the history of the New Testament church. And in verse 14 it says but but Peter standing up with the 11 lifted up his voice and said unto them, ye men of Judah and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. In verse 14, Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost and he preaches a message. It is uh, verses 14 to 36. And for time's sake, we're not going to read that this morning. But basically, verses 14 to 36 is the sermon that he preached. But what I want to focus on this morning is what is the result of proclaiming truth? Or what is the result or should be the result of what we call today preaching? Look at verse 36. Chapter 2 and verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made 
that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. What the, the, the phrase pricked in their hearts, we, we have a word for it today called conviction. The word of God, when preached, should bring conviction. They were pricked in their hearts. Now, I'm going to say something here. Biblical preaching, biblical truth proclaiming should not make us feel good. Okay, let me say that again. Biblical preaching should not make us feel good. Do I have to keep saying this? <laughs> do y'all get it? They were pricked in their hearts. And said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, when shall, uh, when, uh, what shall we do? And then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the remission of sin, and, shall, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So, <clears throat> number one, it, it, conviction should be a part of biblical truth proclaiming or, again, preaching. The other thing that preaching should cause is the listener to make a choice. So what, what, did, the, what did the people hear? They were pricked in their hearts, and then they looked at Peter and said, what are we supposed to do? They, they wanted to make a choice. They needed to make a choice. Conviction and decision-making is a huge part of proclaiming truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 to 25, For after that, uh, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews uh, re <clears throat> required a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified un unto the Jew a stumbling block, and unto the Greek foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jew and Greek, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Now, I do not understand it, but God has chosen, and he calls it here, the foolishness of preaching to reach the hearts of men. And the word preaching here does, is not restricted to what we're doing here today. Now, what I am doing today is preaching or proclaiming truth. But is, is, the, is preaching limited to Sunday morning at church? No. We can preach or we can proclaim 24-7. Anytime you share the gospel, every time you share the love of Christ, you are preaching, you are proclaiming truth. And we need to be a people, we need to be a church that are, that is, is well, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. Let me, let, let me stay to my notes here. 
God used Peter in an incredible way to proclaim the gospel and lives were changed because conviction happened in the hearts of men. The second characteristic of a healthy church, and this is, this is where I was kind of getting ahead of myself here. <clears throat> Number two. Well, let, let me, before I give you number two, let's read uh, verses 41 to 47. Then they gladly received his word and were baptized the same day. <clears throat> and there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayer. And fear came upon every soul. And many, many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and all things common. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them uh, to all men. And every man had, uh, as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their, their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. <clears throat> and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Number two, the second characteristic of a healthy church is soul conscious. We as a church need to be soul conscious. The day of Pentecost, as I mentioned earlier, was an incredible day in the history of the church. Many, again, many, many theologians believe that the church started on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit used Peter to preach the gospel and about 3,000 people were saved. But if you continue reading as we did in verse 47, it, it identifies the fact that here after Pentecost, people, people every day, other people were getting saved. And the church was... <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> the church literally was exploding. What an incredible thing that God did. But I want you to think about this. <clears throat> did Peter do it all by himself. He couldn't have. The Bible says that when Peter stood up to preach, that the, <clears throat> the, other, the other apostles stood with him. So we know that there were at least them. Other disciple, disciples were there as well. Or, or disciples. Uh, disciples were there as well. Followers of Jesus. Jesus had spent three years 
teaching his disciples. A church that is focused on reaching others with the gospel is a church that is focused outward. But honestly, is it easy for a church to get focused inwardly? Absolutely it is. We can get so consumed with our little community, our little family, that we fail to reach out. It is so easy to do. We need to become soul conscious. We need to understand that there are people all around us that need the truth. Now, I'm going to say something here, and I'm probably going to get some kickback on that, but that's okay. That's okay. On October 2nd, we have an opportunity to reach out into our community. And, 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 and most of you are, 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 are okay, what's well, October 2nd? <clears throat> Anybody know? No, we, we have, we, because of COVID and everything, we have not done soul winning. So, you know, <clears throat> okay, I'm, no, well, yeah, it is missions month, but October 2nd is the mayor's citywide cleanup. Every year, usually in the spring, but because of everything that's been going on, Our mayor hasn't had a cleanup day. And I just got notification this week that it's, it's happening October 2nd. It'll be interesting to me to to me to see how many of us show up. The last time the city, it's been a couple years, but the last time the city had a cleanup, we participated in it. Do you know how many people from Grace Baptist Church showed up? Three. Three. That's sad. Will we reach out to our community to pull weeds, pick up trash along the streets, to make our city a little nicer as a church? Again, I want to read a statement here because this is my heart, and I don't, I don't want to make a mistake here. My desire is not, capital N-O-T, my desire is not, that the mayor or the city officials see a large group from Grace Baptist Church and say, wow, look how many people came from that church. That's not my desire. 
My desire is that the mayor, city officials, see the people from Grace Baptist Church and say, wow, there's something special about those people. Maybe I should try going to their church. There's a difference. Because we can show up because of guilt, because, you know, hey, pastor just laid a guilt, guilt trip on me. I have to show up and do it for the wrong reason. But if we go with the right reason so that we can show Christ in our community, and I, know, and I know there are people in our church that do not live in Fernley. You know what? That's okay. You can come anyway. It's okay. We'll let you come. Pull some weeds. Pick up some of your own trash. I know as you, as you drive through Fernley, you're throwing it out the window. No, I'm too. But see, we, we have to choose. We have to choose as a church because of... Because of COVID, I and 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 this this may be a criticism on my part, and 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 if you if you feel this way, I'm sorry, but I I, I just with everything going on with COVID, I have I have decided that that going door to door soul winning like we normally have done is just something that we I'm just not comfortable doing yet, and <clears throat> we we have to find other ways to reach our community. We, we have to. And if it's going out pulling weeds and picking up trash on the, high, on the side of the highway, you know what? I'll do it all day long. We have to be soul conscious church. We have to be looking for ways to reach our community for Christ. And, and, and I'll be honest, I'm just going to throw this out here. If you have an idea of somehow, some way we can do, do it better, I'm all ears. But we have to reach our community for Christ. We have to. And the only way we're going to do that is by being soul conscious. Number three. Discipleship. Discipleship. Look at verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. As the church was literally exploding numerically, somehow they found a way to get with those new believers and teach them the apostles' doctrine, the doctrines of the scriptures. Now, there are essentially two elements to discipleship. The first one is kind of obvious, and that is you need to learn. Or, or, or let, me, let me say this, you need to be willing to learn. Now, those of you that are parents, you know the difference between your kids listening to you and hearing you. Okay? <clears throat> and those of you wives know your husbands <laughs> hearing and listening are two different things. 
I won't go any further. <clears throat> I think my wife is watching, so I need to be careful. <laughs> but we need to continue steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine. The people in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 2, they wanted to learn, they wanted to grow. But I have found that many people today really don't want to learn and really do not want to grow. Yeah, they'll come to church. They love coming to church. They love the fellowship and the, and the, the camaraderie, I guess you'd say, the community of church. But there are some people that just don't want to learn anymore. They like being around other believers, but they fight growth. Why, why, and I'll be honest with you, I struggled with this for a long time. Why would people not want to grow in the Lord? Exactly, because it forces you to get out of your comfort zone. And when we grow, guess what comes after growth? Change. How many of us enjoy change? Not one of us. Not one of us. But when we grow, it causes change. Now, <clears throat> back to my right over here. We have a young man who is six foot three. How old are you, Sean? Uh, 14. Four, 14 years old. Okay, now, <clears throat> six foot three weighs, what, 26 pounds? <clears throat> yeah, soaking wet, you know, and rocks in his pockets. He's 26 pounds. Tallest, skinniest kid I've ever seen in my life. But guess what? Guess what happens every every probably three months? New new wardrobe. <laughs> Constant change. Constant change. Now he may think it's cool, but his mom and daddy don't think it's cool. Why? Because it's costing them money. Those of you that have short people, keep them short. It's cheaper. <clears throat> but none of us, none of us like change. But growth and change are an important, no, no, let me, let me rephrase that, are a critical part of a New Testament church. And let me say this, it is a critical part of your life. If you have gotten to the point where, you know what, you just like coming to church, you like going through the motions, you like doing, you know, but I don't, Lord, just don't, don't change me. I like who I am. I like where I'm at. You know what? I feel sorry for you. In John chapter 17, verse 17, it says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The word sanctify here means to set apart or to dedicate. In order, in order for sanctification to take place in our lives, change has to take place. <clears throat> is he okay? Okay. He's going to be a preacher one day. I just know it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I told you a minute ago there are two elements to 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 discipleship: learning 
And the other side of that is teaching. Now you say, well, th- that's pretty obvious. Well, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a really smart person. I kind of figure that out all by myself. Someone has to do the teaching. Jesus had spent three years teaching his disciples so that, so, so that they could what? So that they could teach others. What is, what is one of the reasons pastors preach or proclaim truth? So that you can take the word of God and go share it with others. It's not so that you can just soak in and soak in and soak in. It's so that you can give out. Jesus did not spend that three years teaching his disciples so that they could just sit around the the coffee table uh, and argue theological points. He taught them so that they could go teach. And that's exactly what they did. Daniel Webster offered an ex- excellent advice when he said this, uh, if we work on marble, it will perish. If we work on brass, time will efface it. If we rear temples, they will crumble to dust. But if we work on man's immortal mind, if we fill them with high principles, with just fear of God and love for fellow man, we engrave on those tables something which time cannot efface and which will brighten and brighten for all eternity. You know, we have spent a lot of time and effort on the two units next to us to expand our auditorium so that, that, well, again, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but... Why did we do that? So that we can have a, 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 a more beautiful facility? So that uh, when visitors come in, they go, ooh, this is pretty. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not why we did it. It should be a tool for us to be able to reach the lost. That's what it's there for. That's the only reason it's there for. I find it interesting. Look at verse 46. And they continued daily in one accord in temple, in the temple, and breaking the bread from house to house. The declaring and the preaching of the truth was not limited to the temple or the church. It was house to house. Everywhere they went, they shared the truth. And that's exactly how we should be living. A healthy church is a place where young believers, as well as mature believers, are fed with truth. Number one, proclaiming truth. Number two, soul consciousness. Number three, discipleship. And number four, Fellowship. Fellowship. Look at Acts chapter forty. Uh, Acts chapter two, verse forty-two again. 
And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and what? Fellowship. And fellowship. I believe with all my heart it is no accident that fellowship immediately follows discipleship. I am convinced that fellowship is an absolute key to discipleship. Now I want you to think about this. Fellowship is one of the things that makes the New Testament church unique to any organization in the world today. Fellowship should help us do a few things. I'm going to share some things very, very quickly as I close what fellowship should do in our lives. But before I, before I share these, I want you to think about something. Well, no, let, let, me, let me share these and then, and then I'll share some. <clears throat> it should cause us to love one another. First uh, John chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Beloved, let us love, <clears throat> excuse me, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. Uh, if we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. We should love one another. Let me ask you a question. Can you love somebody you don't know? To a point, not really. You know, I mean, but if you know someone, can you love them better? That's why fellowship is so important. That's why I believe with all of my heart that is one of the reasons God gave us those two units next door so that we could stand and talk to each other and get to know each other because it will cause us to love one another more. The the reality is, for the most part, you really can't love somebody you don't know. As I, this morning, as I was, I came, I had to go back to my office, I came out and there were, I don't know how many people milling around, drinking coffee and eating donuts and, and I just, my heart was full. Why, why do you think? Not, not because there were a lot of coffee drinking and donut eating going on, There was a lot of talking going on. And let me encourage you, as we continue to do this, I want you to come to church early so that you can be a part of that. Yeah, we'll make more coffee next time. We won't won't run out of coffee next time. But find somebody you don't know and get to know. That's the whole trick. Walk up to them and say, Hey, my name's Rick. What's your name? See, I have a disadvantage because I know everybody, for, for the most part. But you don't always know each other. 
And if we are going to effectively love one another, it's going to be because we know each other. The second thing is to encourage one another. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, uh, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, uh, even as also you do. How can you comfort someone unless you know they have a need? How can you edify one another if you don't know them? It is important you get to know people. Let, Let me say this. One of the most precious things Grace Baptist Church does is our prayer meeting on Wednesday nights. If you don't come, you need to. Because you you hear the needs and you have the opportunity to pray for one another and to lift one another up and encourage each other. Another thing that is important to fellowship is that to stirring up one another to love and good works. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, it says, Let us uh, consider one another to provoke unto love and good work. The idea to provoke is almost has the idea. Y'all know what a cattle prod is? That's how you stir someone up. Okay? But that's what we are supposed to do to one another. How many of you have ever had a bad day? Okay? How many of you have needed someone to kick you in the pants and say, get off, get off the, get off the uh, uh, feeling sorry for yourself horse and, and get to work for God? That's what this is. This is, that's what this is talking about. But the reality is this. I can't do that if I don't know you're having a bad day. So when I ask you, hey, how you doing? Don't say, oh, I'm doing fine. Well, then don't lie. At least be honest. You know, hey, that's what we're here for. Another thing that we should do is serve one another. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty as an occasion of the flesh, but by love serve one another. We have liberty in Christ to 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 do what we want to do, I guess you would say. But he, what is Paul saying here? Don't, don't use that as, as a selfish motivation. Use it to serve each other. Again, how can we serve if we don't know there's a need? We have to be able to know there's a need in order to be able to serve. I can't tell you how many people have told me, oh, pastor, I probably should tell you this, but I was in the hospital last week. And I'm just finding out now why. Well, I didn't want you to worry. Well, let me tell you something. That's a pastor's job, okay, is to worry, okay? I'm just saying it. That's what I get paid for. No, it's not. Um, but I, I think you get you understand what I'm what I'm trying to say. How can you pray if you don't know? Exactly. How can we as a church be there and <clears throat> and 
support and do the things we need to do if we don't know? Here's another one. We are to honor one another. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. uh, Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 uh, says, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. We, we are to be kind and compassionate to one to another. Fellowship is such a key element in the health of a local church. Grace Baptist Church is 12 years old last July. For 12 years, I've been praying that God would give us the the, the facility to be able to do what we did this morning. Why? Because it is a key element to to a healthy church. Getting to know each other. Fellowship. Again, if you understand discipleship, and you understand fellowship, I believe they go like this. Discipleship and fellowship are absolutely key because how can we disciple somebody we don't know? How can we, what, what is discipleship anyway? Is it just a matter of teaching doctrine? No. It's a matter of your life blending with their life so that Christ could be lifted up in both of your lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. And fellowship and discipleship have to go hand in hand. So, the characteristics of a healthy church. Number one, proclaiming truth. Number two, soul conscious. Number three, discipleship. Number four, fellowship. Now, next week we're going to be looking at some more. I don't know if we're going to cover all six or not next week. But I want you to I want to challenge you this. I want you to think on two levels this morning. Because I had to. Number one. How's Grace Baptist Church doing so far in the test? Are there there areas in which we can do better? Absolutely there are. Number two, how are you doing in the test? And I'll be honest with you. As I examined my own heart, and, 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 and again, I know what the other six things are, but you, you know, you will get there. God convicted my heart over some things. And that's a good thing. Because you know what? I don't like change, but I do like walking with God. And the more I walk with God, the more he changes my life. So this morning, let me challenge you. How you doing so far? How you doing?
Dear Lord, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. I am truly thankful and grateful for all that you do. And Lord, as we close our service, I do ask that you would speak to our hearts and that you would challenge us. How are we doing? Lord, I know what you've done in my heart and life, and I'm thankful for it. Help us as a church, as a corporate body, to do more for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you,